We live, we love, we serve. Family, we live, we love. I love it. All right, now, Mark 6, <laughs> verses 45 through 52. And here are the words as it is written. In the New Revised Standard Version, then I read from the Message Bible. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. Message Bible reads this way. As soon as the meal was finished, Jesus insisted that the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead across the Bethsaida while he dismissed the congregation. After sending them off, he climbed the mountain to pray. Late at night, the boat was far out at sea. Jesus was still by himself on land. He could see his men struggling with the oars, the wind having come up against them. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. He intended to go right by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and screamed, scared out of their wits. Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. As soon as he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. They were stunned, shaking their heads, wondering what was going on. They didn't understand what he had done at the supper. None of this had yet penetrated their hearts. Come on, let's pray. God, let your word move on today. Let your word, O oh God, hit its intended targets. To God, we've come today with open hearts, with open minds, with open spirits to receive what you will pour in and reveal on today. God, we pray that your word has impact, O oh God. Not just move us emotionally, but have deep and abiding impact that journeys with us even when we leave this place today. God, thank you for transformation. Thank you for growth. Thank you for your love. We love you, God. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. Let me read that again just in the NRSV. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After saying farewell to them, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. He intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. Amen. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them, neighbor. 
I'm the evidence. Come on, turn to somebody else and tell them, neighbor, I'm the evidence. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise him. I'm the evidence. Yes. I'm the evidence. Jesus' heart must have been heavy for in the preceding scenes before the one read, something had happened that I'm sure shook him, maybe even devastated him. He had gotten word by his cousin John's disciples that John was dead, beheaded by Herod. When Jesus gets word that the disciples from John's disciples that John is dead, Jesus then tells his disciples, let's journey towards the other side. He wanted to just get away with his disciples. And it doesn't really say why and the rationale, but I imagine that hearing that news was not easy. Imagine hearing the news that someone you love, some family member, but not just family, someone who was sort of a mentor to you in your life was now gone in such a gruesome and brutal way. I know it had to impact him for if you are human, those moments of the moments where the fragility of our humanity rise to the forefront. So Jesus tells the disciples, let's just go. Let's just get away from this space. Let's go to the other side. But often, as we've often said, where Jesus journeys, his reputation precedes him and follows him. As him and the disciples got in the boat to cross the sea and go to the other side, crowds started gathering on the shore when he arrived. Some, I imagine, wanting to get a glimpse, maybe hear something, maybe be a recipient of some miraculous event connected to the power of God that ran through Jesus. But for whatever the reason, the crowds gathered. Jesus was trying to get to a deserted place, the scripture said, but the deserted place got real occupied once he showed up and people came. His disciples said, why don't you just dismiss the crowds? And, and Jesus taught a little, but they said, why don't you just dismiss the crowds and tell them to go on their way? They've been here now listening to you for some time, and I'm sure they're hungry. And Jesus is really reluctant to dismiss them. He wants to somehow provide. He tells them to survey what resources they have. When they do that, they come back to Jesus and tell him, and many of you know this story, they let him know in Mark's version, there's five loaves of bread we have, and there are two fish that we've put together. In their mind, surely this is not enough for the thousands of people who've gathered here. They're looking at what's in front of them and looking at what they are holding on to and believing that what they have and what they see cannot have a meeting point because there wasn't enough for the people gathered. In Jesus' mind, this is just enough. Just enough. He takes loaves, he takes the fish, and when he gets the loaves, he, he breaks 
the bread. And there's something about that moment, something about the breaking of the resources that somehow in the breaking, there's multiplication. Oh, let me push it differently. I shared this. In the breaking of the bread and the blessing of what was broken. I'll get that later. Expansion of possibilities, Reverend Alicia, takes place. And all of a sudden, what looked bleaked now looks like abundance. Oh, gosh. With breaking comes abundance. With breaking comes the expansion of possibilities. With breaking comes the multiplication of the resources. They gave what they had and he broke it and blessed it and it expanded. I know it sounds good to hear that. Think about that, that somehow when you shift that and you say that when I offer God what I have, that somehow in the breaking and the blessing, there's the expansion of possibility, the multiplication of resources. And you hear it and you immediately think, my God, I want to experience the expansion of possibilities when I have my encounter with God. But if you are the bread, being broken don't feel good. See, you like being the recipient of that which has been broken, but if you're the broken thing, you don't necessarily see expansion of possibilities. Oh, I hope you get this today. Because, because oftentimes we equate those breaking moments exclusively for some of us with suffering. No one wants to feel like they're being broken. No one wants to experience prolonged brokenness. Nobody yearns and craves for brokenness. But can you imagine the possibility that in the midst of your brokenness, God co-opts the brokenness and now shifts it to abundance through this moment? Well, okay, that ain't good enough. Let me try Let me try the churchy way. Sometimes you want expansion without the brokenness. Sometimes you want the expansion of possibility without going through nothing. You, you want to arrive without a difficult challenge at times. That ain't life. Life ain't like that. that. The more you live this life, you understand that those moments of breaking and stress and strife and chaos will come, but somehow in the breaking you don't utterly break. You'll get that later. That you learn in your journey that the breaking moments don't define you. Have you ever had those breaking moments where it seemed like life was collapsing, things were falling apart? Yeah, you have because now you can look back on those moments and think how God did not leave you in the broken place. That somehow God redeemed it and co-opted it. And can I get churchy? And you really discovered that things do work together for good even in the midst of the brokenness. Is anybody here today? who can testify that you've had those breaking moments, but somehow when you kept your eyes open, you started seeing the expansion of possibilities in the midst of your brokenness. He breaks it, oh God, blesses it. 
Oh, wait a minute. I can't move from that. Can you imagine when God blesses your brokenness? Oh, God, when he blesses the brokenness by letting you know you won't stay broken for very long. That somehow, on the other side of this brokenness, can I use another B word, is breakthrough. So that brokenness walks hand in hand, Serena, with breakthrough. That's why you always stay encouraged. Because when you're in that broken season, you know, if I just hold on this moment, if I just wait, my change will come. And in a moment, I will go from broken to breakthrough. Oh, God, look at somebody. Tell them, just hold on. Just hold on. Yeah, I know it's tough right now. Just hold on. I know it's not easy right now. Just, just hold on because this ain't the defining moment and it won't be the last moment. Can I even add to that? Some of us in here have been journeying with God long enough that we got a reservoir, a bank of breakthrough connected to the broken moments. I, 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 he breaks it. He blesses it and it expands. The blessing comes on top of the brokenness and there's expansion. You didn't miss that. The brokenness is present, but the blessing on top of the brokenness expands. Well, they expand. And everybody is fed. 5,000 men plus women and children. It said thousands. Thousands, thousands, no, you didn't catch that, thousands, from what seemed like a meager meal, that one really enough for two, see, what, see, okay, yeah, some of y'all had some grandmamas in them, who knew how to make a lot out of a little, they, they ain't need much, but you saw what grandmama and them, what expansion of possibilities looked like. When you got limited resources and somehow provision is always made. Right? Okay, I got to leave from that. I, that got good to me. I'm sorry. They, 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 they witness 5,000 plus fed. And not only that, but check this out. That when it's all finished, they have 12 baskets of leftovers. Wait a minute. You don't get it yet? 12 disciples, 12 baskets. They walked away, each disciple, with a basket. Oh, God. That's a whole other story. Because I know what they were doing after the broken blessing. They were serving. But in the midst of their service, provision was being made for them. And you'll get that. That's why we live, we love, we... Oh, yeah. Because in the midst of your service, provision comes. 12 baskets. Jesus says, listen, I got to go talk to God. I'm going to tell you why I think they had to go talk to, he had to go talk to God. Because sometimes after moments of what we perceive as success is a good time to regroup and restore and refresh and recommit. See, because sometimes we talk about failure being dangerous. Success can be dangerous. Because you can get lost in success and lose your identity that you had prior to the success. Because you get so enthralled with the success, you forget how you got there. And so that's why even after those breakthrough moments in your life, pause, regroup, restore, recommit. Let me have another R. Reflect on who you are and where you are. Because you can't let even the good things consume you to the point that you lose your identity in the midst of your success. 
And you'll notice in the scriptures, every time there's these breakthrough moments with Jesus, what does he do? He gets away. He leaves the people. He abandons them for a moment, goes up to the mountain and talks to God. He leaves the people. He disconnects. I hope my leaders are hearing this, all leaders, no matter who you are. He disconnects. He leaves the people. He walks away from the space of the success. He doesn't sit around waiting for more applause, more accolades, more recognition. He don't sit around waiting for more people to recognize him, know who he is. He gets away because the assignment is not the applause of people the assignment is to serve the folk and once your assignment is done go somewhere and get yourself together and remember what God called you to do and so and so he leaves and then he tells the disciples go back over to Bethsaida I'll meet you there well here's where the story gets interesting I'll be done in a moment here here they go and when they leave the storm arises Say strange. The storm rises. I have to always say this, no matter how many times I, I speak about these situations. Your allegiance to the teachings of Jesus do not provide a supernatural, do not provide a supernatural force field for you. That you can be obedient and still see storms. You need to hear that. Because if folks who have me pastor, I've been reading my Bible and I've been coming to Bible study and, and things be happening because it's life. See, what you've been doing isn't to prevent, it's to prepare. Oh, God, you hear that? You, you weren't doing these things to prevent nothing. You've been doing these things to prepare yourself for when these things arrive. So you realize you can handle it. It's preparation, not prevention. Oh, God. Somebody going to reflect on that when they go and be like, wow, that was it. Preparation, not prevention. And so they go into the storm, and here it is, and, and, and it's about four in the morning, the message Bible says, and, and they're struggling in this storm, struggling. Bad enough they had a storm, now they're going to struggle to survive. And then Jesus comes off the mountain, and here it is, the, the writer only make it clear, he walking on the water. He talks to God after performing what was unbelievable, and comes down, he just casually walking across the water. Now, here's the part I like, and I'm really going to be done after this. It's the key to this text, Alicia, is this. Jesus sees them and said they were straining, Serena. They're straining at the oars. They're trying. They're struggling. And Jesus sees them struggling. And he like, okay. He said he intended to walk right by them. What? Wait a minute. That don't sound like Jesus. Because you thought Jesus was supposed to show up every time you're in trouble and deliver you. Mm -mm. Here, with his disciples, it says he intended to pass them by. Why would you do that? I mean, they're in trouble. They told me, call on the name and he'll deliver. And this time they could see him and he, wanted, he ready to walk by. Can you imagine what you feel in the midst of a storm, struggling in the midst of the storm? You see, well, no, there it is. They didn't see Jesus. They thought they saw a ghost. They cried in fear. And Jesus was going to pass them by, but he recognized that they didn't recognize him. And he then says, hold on, it's me. Don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. Don't be afraid. Now, a few things. I'm going to come back to that, but I want you to check this out. When he tells them not to be afraid, little, little, little subtle nuance, he never stops the storm. He doesn't change the circumstance. He wants them to change their attitude. 
He don't remove the storm. He just tells them, I'm here. That should be more than enough. But he wanted to pass them by while they're struggling in the storm. Isn't this something? I've discovered this. is really simple. I've discovered this in my own journey. Isn't this something when we're trusted more than we trust? Oh, no. You, that was too quick. When you're trusted more than you trust. Okay, I'm going to come back to it, I promise. I'm going to push this because y'all ain't getting it yet. Maybe. And so now watch what happens. He comes in his eye. Don't be afraid. And then he gets in the boat with them. And the storm ain't stopped until he got in the boat with them. And then they were astounded. And it's like they couldn't get it because of the loaves. That's how that scene ends. Well, let me go back and fill it in, then we get out of here. Look at this. Jesus gets in the boat, the storm stops, they happy, and the writer says, they ain't get it because their hearts had not been penetrated. And it was connected to those loaves. Well, here's what happened. Let me just go back real quick. Um, remember they had 12 baskets of food. Each basket or each disciple had a basket of food. Right? They leave and they get on the boat with their basket of food. On the boat, 12 men, 12 baskets. On the boat, a storm arises. Jesus shows up and was going to pass them by until they misappropriated his identity. And then he pauses to let them know, no, it's me. He doesn't speak to the storm. He just gets in the boat and it stops and they couldn't get it. Okay, so here it is. Why would he pass them by? Why would he pass you by? If you're going through something and you even cry out to him, why would he pass you by? Why would he pass you by? Think about this. Because you would think that if you're in distress, you cry out to God and then God will come and show up and deliver you. What if, what if God passed you by? What if in the midst of your praying hard, I've been praying and praying and praying, and then God is like, I'm going to keep on moving right past you. Why? You don't get it yet, huh? Yeah. Maybe, maybe Jesus trusted their memory. Y'all act like this the first time y'all struggled in a storm. And you done navigated with me and without me. So don't let this storm cause you to forget what you've already experienced. Let me add that. You not only got past experience, you got present evidence. Oh, God, wait a minute. Past experience, what he's already done. Present evidence in the boat. You watch this man take five pieces of bread and two fish and feed almost 10,000 people. And you sit here crying in the boat in a storm after what you just saw happen. How much more has to be done in order for you to trust in the midst of a storm? But not just trust him. Trust what you can handle to get out of. I hope somebody's hearing this today. Especially when you got the evidence right next. Oh, no. Y'all not hearing this today. 
You got, I already said, you got a bank of breakthroughs. You got a reservoir of rescues in your life. You've seen what God has done. How dare you struggle a little bit in your storm and forget what you've already come through in your life. You got past experience and present evidence. Look at somebody and tell them, neighbor, you got past experience and present evidence. You know what God has done and you know what God is doing right now. Is there anybody in here this morning who can testify in the balcony that you know what God has done and you know what God is doing right now? That's why when the storm shows up, I don't get stressed out. I don't get bothered. I don't worry because I know what God can do. Is there anybody in here today who has that reservoir? Come on, y'all playing with me this morning. Y'all need to see this scene. They got evidence and yet they're fearful. But let's go deeper. You don't just got evidence. You are the evidence. Tell your neighbor, no, I'm a living testimony of what the Lord can do. That my life stands as a monument of miracles, a citadel, a breakthrough, a monument of praise. And is there anybody in here today who can say, I walked in with my evidence. I got my mind right again. I, I got my spirit right again. I walked in with my evidence. Is there anybody in here who can testify? In fact, look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, if you're not sure, what God can do. Look at me. I'm a testimony. I've been redeemed. I've been restored. And is there anybody here who can give God some praise? Look at your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, I'm the evidence. You the evidence. We the evidence. And we need to give God glory for our evidence. He rescued me. He saved me. He delivered me. And is there anybody here who can give God shouts for the evidence of your life? Can I get churchy? Tell somebody, I should have lost my mind a long time ago, but I got evidence. I should have gave up a long time ago, but I got evidence. I'm the evidence. That's why when I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, I start to have a praise party all by myself. Because when I look back over my life and see what the Lord has done, I'm the evidence. I'm the proof that God's still moving. I'm the proof that God's power is real. I'm the proof that God is still healing and restoring. I'm the evidence. So when you don't have a worship team, you ain't got a band. You ain't got nobody in your room. Look in that mirror and start making a joyful noise and be like, God, I thank you for getting me where I am right now. It's been some difficult days. It's, it's been some rough times, but you keep on hey, keeping me. Is there anybody here who can say that you keep on 
keeping me. You keep on making ways. You keep on opening doors. You keep on delivering my life. I'm the evidence. I'm the evidence. I'm the evidence. I know what God can do. I'm the evidence. And I don't need to hear nobody else's testimony. I got my own testimony. I'm the evidence. I'm the evidence. Some folk, if they knew what you've been through, they wouldn't even understand how you shout right now. If they knew what you've been through, if they knew your story, if they saw you crying, if they saw you ready to give up, but you stood tall anyway. I'm the evidence. Of what God can do. I'm the evidence of what God can do. I'm the evidence of what God. You're the evidence. Hey, 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 hey. you're the. People think that sometimes in church we have a tendency to get too emotional. Nah, nah, nah. Tell them this is a cathartic moment. We live, we love, we serve.